Hey, today on Media Litter Sandwich, we're talking about gaming. We gotta prove to the world what big geeks we are, right? Yeah. Oh no. Welcome to Media Litter Sandwich. I'm Toad from Totem.com, YouTube.com slash K. With me is Mark from CrazyMark.com. We have a new set of listeners. We are, this is the first episode, or should be the first episode, that is playing on WDVR. So that's WDVR.net. We should be live, well not live, recorded, playing a stream every Tuesday 7 p.m. Eastern Time, um, so it is a recorded uh, show, but at least one of us will be in the chat room, whether it's myself, Mark, or William, we will be in the chat room and interacting. It's so cool to interact on there, but that is WDVR, part of Dysfunctional Veterans. Now, speaking of veterans, because it is a veteran-focused uh, you know, radio station, we want to bring not only a veteran in, but we've had requests for gaming people, and I've been having brain farts and always forget after coming back from a, <laughs> from a convention because they're so tiring and I lose cards and all that horrible stuff. But with us, I didn't do that finally. <laughs> Maybe because I met you on a movie set. I don't know. <laughs> um, we have. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Introduce yourself, Brian. Tell us what you do. Hi there, I am Brian Hudson, I'm an Army veteran, and I am the owner of Templar Games, which is Detroit's first game studio, making video games and board games set in the same universe. Wait, so they're in the same universe? I didn't yes. catch that part. Yep. So this is like, so it's like the MCU, like, all your games interact with one another. Pretty much. the uh, Yeah, the city that the board game is set in, the novella that I already have up on Amazon is set in the same city. Okay. So which game is this? Uh, it's an old school RPG I'm developing called Unto the Breach. Mm -hmm. And this board game is called Seven Families of Jorandek, or just Seven Families for short. Okay. And I've seen you also demo the game at conventions. Yes. Um, or the video game. Yeah. Uh, I took... I took Unto the Breach to GDEX down in Columbus last September as part of a uh, Detroit game dev mega booth. Uh, me and three other guys were running our games there. Uh, one of the other guys running a game called Mage Quit won Best of Show for it, which was pretty awesome. Um, and, uh, it was the first time actually getting to like watch other people play my game, which was freaking amazing. Um, and then I brought it to the LTU AnimeCon last month, which I also had the board game set up at the table just to show people. I wasn't actually running sessions for that. I didn't have the room for it. But some people were checking that out, too, and thought it was pretty cool. Now, is this one of those games that could be ongoing? In other words, you could set it up at a convention on a Thursday and it would keep on going until the bitter end on a, on a Sunday. I wouldn't say it's not impossible for that to happen. Uh, an average game session should be one to two hours. We did have, because uh, I didn't shuffle these action cards very thoroughly, um, one time that I played, we went for about five hours, because every time somebody would win, somebody else would play a card that prevented them from winning. Because <laughs> I was about to say, when I was at Yumicon, I saw a lot of diehards going on all the way through Saturday morning, 4 a.m. I mean, I was up at 4 a.m. I was like... Man, there's still a couple crews out there still hardcore in it with those board games, you know? Yeah, it is not quite to the level of Twilight Imperium now. <laughs> I'm using pieces from Twilight Imperium for my prototype here. But... Ah, but I see some vision questing on the way for that. <laughs> 
Man, I, I, I just like pirate stuff, and I'm looking at pieces of eight on top of the board. Yeah, I just grabbed some metal coins. I figured that would be more fun to play with for the prototype. I imagine for mass production, it'll be more like uh, cardstock tokens or something. Right. Maybe I can do metal coins as like a Kickstarter bonus or something. Oh, yeah, that's cool. So are you running a Kickstarter right now? Uh, not yet. Okay. Um, I'm going to be taking it to a convention called Protospiel in July that I learned about at Penguicon uh, just now. Um, that is a board game for... Uh, basically introducing game developers and publishers to each other. So you can show your games to publishers, see if anybody's interested, get feedback on your game for making it more marketable and all that good stuff. Now, I noticed your board games online, but I also noticed online the video games, the, the digital video games that you, you create the art to, correct? I didn't do the art. I've edited a lot of art assets. Um, as far as the RPG is concerned... Um, I have commissioned artists to do original monster art, original character okay. art, and the cover art uh, is original commissions. Okay, so pretty much you're the writer for these yes. creations. In other words, I have, I have the I have the story. I need the artist. I need the makers to bring my idea to fruition. That's your uh, point in the game. For the most part, um, I'm doing all the design, designing the levels, the story, the general gameplay systems, balancing all the stuff. I'm I can spend days on days just digging through the database, tweaking values to balance combat and whatnot. Um, I I'm not much of an artist. I've edited a lot of assets, and okay. I'm not much of a coder, so I'm relying on pre-made plugins slash hiring. Uh, a few people to help me with like bits and pieces of that. So how has it been as a writer? How's it been collabing with others? I mean, give us a worst and a best case scenario as far as collabing goes with gaming. It's in terms of finding like a full time partner. I haven't been able to do that so far. It's uh, everybody just kind of wants to do focus on what they're working on. Um, so it's kind of yeah. hard to like pull somebody out uh, away. Um, we'll do, I've done game jams with some other people in the right uh, meetup communities, which was a frack ton of fun. Um, I think uh, there is, uh, my brother's girlfriend is one of the people that runs Bamboo Detroit, uh, which is where my studio is registered as uh, its formal address. Um, she introduced me to another member of Bamboo who is a programmer and does game design on the side. And we've been talking a whole bunch on Facebook over the last couple of months. And uh, I might be able to actually bring him on board maybe this summer to do some actual like full-time help with me, which That's, would be awesome. That is fantastic because as anybody out there realizes, you know, as they even ta have told us back at the collegiate level, you know, the ideal team is a collab team. Like maybe you're the coder or you're the artist, you're the content creator with all the art or the video, you know, like Toden's the main man when it comes to video and, and editing that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Or I might be an illustrator, you know, and then you have the writer. That's the ideal dream team. When you meet up with someone like that, I mean, you, you take their names and by all means, don't let them go. Yeah. So, yeah. And for one, what you're saying what i'm getting is a lot of people not only there's two folds one since mark you just mentioned it, it sounds like there are people that come and go because like hey you're contracting just for this part yeah but if i need you i'll call you again or yep. they kind of move on to another project unfortunately but you know everyone's working on a billion things that's just kind of how this world works 
Um, but so much networking. Yes. So much networking. You've mentioned at least three types of networking. You've mentioned conventions. You mentioned working in um, Bamboo, which is kind of like an open workspace mm-hmm. where a lot of independent people work. I've heard quite a few thing, good things about Bamboo. And just networking, networking, networking. How do you do it? How, do you, like, how are you so open with what you're doing? Oh, and competitions was the third one I heard, too. Sort of like pitching, comp- like things where people pitch. And- oh, um, I wouldn't say uh, Porterspiel is necessarily a competition. I guess you're kind of competing with the other developers, but um, I guess that's almost more like a insider trade show more than anything else. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, networking has definitely helped. Um, I guess a little bit of it was getting practice with like uh, events that IT and the D run, uh, networking at least through there for like trying to find job opportunities or just meeting cool people. Um, and then kind of translating that over to uh, uh, a couple of meetup groups have started in the last uh, year or so uh, for game developers specifically. There's one out of Ypsilanti and one in Detroit. Um, I've been going to the both of them uh, when I can. Uh, fortunately, it's get work schedule gets in the way sometimes. But uh, <laughs> so meeting up with people there, uh, the Detroit group had a Slack channel for a while. And then there was a statewide Discord server set up for game developers all across Michigan that I've been pretty involved with that and just meeting lots of people. And uh, it's a pretty good group up there. Meeting is a great thing, you know, getting together with different people and giving great shout outs, just like the one I'm about to give right now to the Service Dog Show with PTS Dog Chairs, a new episode every other Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, you can follow him on Facebook at PTS Dog and check out his website, ptsdog.co. Now, back with you, uh, you're gaming. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what got you into gaming? Let's go way back to when you were a kid. Right. You're in school, you're going into college. What decide, What pulled you down that path of gaming? I have been a gamer literally as long as I can remember. My first memory was when I was four, getting on my dad's computer early one morning to play Reader Rabbit. Um, so it has always been a part of my life. Uh, he had a really nice computer at the time. It was a 286. This was the late 80s. Um, that was top of the line uh, at the time. He had, I don't know, 12, 15 different games on it. Spent a lot of time playing wow. that. Uh, I didn't get like my own system until uh, 97, Christmas 97, when I got a PlayStation. Um, so it's pretty much just always been part of my life. And uh, in high school, I remember... Um, I was doing a lot of uh, emulator games, uh, playing like old NES, Super Nintendo games, basically all the stuff that I missed growing up. Um, Lots of classic RPGs, all the old Final Fantasies, Fantasy Star, and uh, all them. And then I was also doing uh, mods and stuff, custom levels for Warcraft 2, Starcraft, uh, some stuff from Morrowind, I believe. Uh, so these are adaptations from the big classic, um, you know, the, the classic games over at the uh, arcades down at the level of uh, where you're just, they're personal. Yeah, like, for example, like so. Centipedes or Pac-Man or, yeah. you know, yeah. Asteroids. Who's modding, make his own maps of pre-existing games. Right on, yeah. right on. So starting with yeah. something somebody else has made, just doing, putting, like, my own twist on it. And then eventually um, I just decided, you know, what if I just started, uh, like, making my own game with Blackjack and, wait, no. Uh, uh, so late high school, I put, like, the first, uh, putting down, like, the first 
seeds, as it were, of what I now call the Templarverse. Um, just give it some kind of name for this uh, cohesive setting I've been working on. And I didn't do much because I joined the army right after high school and, you know, training full time and then uh, spent two years in Korea. And that's pretty much most of my f spare time there was either World of Warcraft or Warhammer 40,000, um, which right was on. also a lot of fun and very creative. But, you know, actual video game design kind of took a bit of a back foot until after I got out. Um, I started going to college at a place called Full Sail University down in Orlando for uh, starting game programming in the Switch wow, over the Wow, Full Sail. Full Sail is a full sales full sale we'll leave it like that so i came home from there and transferred over to grand valley to get a degree in creative writing which was mostly my dad's idea uh more than anything else um so i was kind of focused on that and i've been doing a background novel on all this too um which originally was just going to be one novel fleshing out a thousand years of history before the rpg actually takes place but i got to like thirty thousand words and i was on like day two so I was Whoa. like, eh, this, this might turn into a series instead. Uh, talk about inspiration there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so I'm doing a lot of writing on the side, not just in like terms of short background articles to put on the website, explaining yeah. um, like history of the monsters, the characters, the nations of the world, um, the major religions, cultures, and all that good stuff. Um, there's also uh, actual narrative stories that I'm doing too. That's what I mean when I see a game like this and everything sprawled out before me, I think of something that would last all day and then through the night and a kegger and all that kind of <laughs> yeah, thing, you yeah. know? you get burned out. That's that, you know, if you're going to do a D&D &D run maybe, but <laughs> it sounds like this, you could get very submersive, but at the same time you could do your two hour thing and then carry on with the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is definitely some depth to it. There's uh, most of the cards... Um, all the event cards and the family history cards here have uh, story material on them. I want to add some to the family cards here, too. Um, so there is, like, you can learn a little bit more about the world while you're playing. Me, is it so long where it feels like I'm reading a book? Oh, I should certainly hope not. That's not too bad. They have a deception card here. You can always <laughs> spin it in someone's face and make the game go faster. <laughs> okay. How long have you been working on this? Because a lot of writing. I think like a year and a half now was okay. when I first started like writing the rules and doing like the initial prototypes and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and this is an addition to your day job. Yeah. Right. Um, do you write it all for your day job or does is there any kind uh, of no. connect? <laughs> OK, so there's nothing to connect this towards your day job. Nope. It's completely separate, unfortunately. OK. I know a lot of peeps out there, they work a job to support their other dream that they're striving towards to make public and finally get money in, you know, rolling in. Have you seen any profits rolling in from your uh, from your uh, endeavor here? Uh, not too much yet. Uh, nothing from here because I haven't actually published it or anything yet. Uh, the video game, I put out... Uh, Two free demos and then a larger demo. Uh, the free demos are take like an hour to play through, and the okay. larger one is like two to three hours and has a lot more of like the finalized uh, gameplay elements that uh, the main game's gonna have. And so that one I put up for like a dollar, and uh, it's it sold a few copies, <laughs> but. Yeah, well, I was watching the demo of it. It looks a lot like the old school Final Fantasy game. Yes, it's basically uh, enhanced Super Nintendo graphics. 
Now, I got a question. Would Templar Games happen to have a site on Twitch? I have a personal Twitch channel, which I occasionally stream, like, uh, development sessions or whatever I happen to be randomly playing, but my schedule is so chaotic that I've never been able to manage any kind of, like, regular times. But You're wearing all the hats right now, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what would be that address on Twitch if people want to go check you out? Uh, my username should be Alerka. A-L-L-E-R-K-A. Okay, uh, you're that all you tweet, uh, you, you uh, Twitch, yeah, Twitter, tweet, Twitters, and Twitch. Twitch yeah, people, think, go check them out. I heard someone call people on Twitch Twitchers today, and <laughs> I don't think that really works. Yeah, not so much. I think that's kind of how I know that they didn't know anything about the the site. Um, <laughs> I'm a Twitcher. Yeah, <laughs> Twitchers aren't people streaming on Twitch. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I guess I could, whenever I'm playing Heroes of the Storm, I could stream some stuff on there. I don't know if anybody would want to watch me though. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't stream either, although I do play a lot of Sea of Thieves. <laughs> You know, a lot of you out there listening, I just wanted to let you know that you can donate directly to the DV Farm by going to dvfarm.org slash donate. <laughs> yes, you I'm, just died. No segue. Yeah, no segue. No but, but, but we're, we're, we're wow. really cool with the DV Farm. We got some information here. Yeah, I know. But Okay, so for the DV Farm next week, we'll definitely talk, you know, for those that don't know what the DV Farm is, We'll talk a, a lot about that next week. This week, I'll just say go to the website. What's the website? Once again, the website is dvfarm.org slash donate. It's, it's a great charity. I recently uh, did one of those donate my birthday things on Facebook. I raised over $1,000 for DV Farm. I know. I never expected that. Um, you know, I... I told uh, you know I told dysfunctional veterans I was doing it, and I put my own spin. I didn't just use the default text and stuff. So they saw that I was actually writing stuff versus just using default settings. Yeah. And so they put it on their uh, Facebook page, oh, okay. and that's what got a lot of traction. Okay, was they gotcha. were advertising it as well, and it's just. I, I never thought I'd get more than like a hundred bucks on one of those Facebook donate my birthday things and then yeah. end up hitting over a thousand for a very good cause. It's a homeless veterans cause and plus it's it's a lot of cool stuff. We'll talk more about that next week. Sorry later. about that, Toad. I was just kind of geeked was, to be part of the whole DV thing, you know. I just <laughs> I want think to, we're all oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's been a little while a little bit. in the making. I don't know how much of a dysfunctional veteran Brian here is, but me being a Marine, um, there's there, there might be some dysfunctionality in there. Eh, maybe a little bit. I mean, <laughs> As you look around. Phobias. Oh, I'm just looking for the crayons. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, let's see here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I don't hear that enough on disgruntled discussions now. This looks like, like, podcast this looks like it's on. had some crayon activity here. Oh, actually, know? I guess uh, I should also mention that uh, for the last eight years or so, I've mm. been part of a military gaming group uh, called Military Gamers. Which is current, former service members, families, uh, or family members within, yeah, over eight years now. They're a pretty good bunch, too. That's sweet. That's awesome. I mean, that, you know, we like to focus on the media on the show, but not, you know, but with with the DV radio, we definitely want to talk about the veteran stuff as well. And just it's another form of networking. Mm -hmm. And I had a conversation on um Disgruntled uh, discussions the other day where they kept talking about getting veterans together, having the veterans group, and 
I really feel like that's a great idea, but don't forget about everyone else. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't want to segregate yourself either. I know people have sometimes social anxiety mm-hmm. and they want to kind of keep with, you know, it's easier for them with people that they feel like they could relate with more. Um, Some but, kind of familiar element. Right. And, and I, I assume it helps. I mean... Probably. I, I never, you know, I'm only recently kind of getting to these veteran groups. I've always just like, I'm a filmmaker first or I'm a video geek first. I'm a YouTuber first, whatever. And I kind of just jump into that. Me, um, I'm just uh, right now. I'm just chilling out first, you know, with Media <laughs> Litter Sandwich at MediaLitterSandwich.com. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> no. You, you were telling us earlier the the history about how you got into gaming when mm-hmm. you were younger. What drew you in? Um, where do you see? Uh, I mean, you have a board game sprawled out before us, and you've also worked with video games as well. Which path do you see yourself going down? You know, more readily at this point, the board gaming or video gaming aspect? Probably the video gaming. Um, that's. Like, Unto the Breach is basically my main project. This is more a side thing, even though it's significantly more straightforward and, like, from conception to publishing is generally a somewhat shorter route. Uh, I also don't have to put, like, you know, 50 bajillion man hours of work into it. (laughs) Um, But uh, the video gaming was definitely the main uh, creative output for me, um, as well as the writing, uh, I guess. Maybe there's some possibilities there, too. If the novel does well enough, you know, maybe that can finance more of the game development. I can hire more people. I've got, uh, after Unto the Breach is done, I've got ideas for, like, six more games to do after that. <laughs> wow, you got a whole big uh, menu happening there. Do you have enough uh, peeps working with you as far as subcontracting for the uh, video graphics, the animation graphics? Uh, most of the graphics are pretty much set for now, um, at least to get me through the first episode. It's going to be done in episodic format just so I can at least get parts of it out for people okay. to play um, while I keep developing all of the content and maybe refining gameplay elements as well based on feedback from users. You know, like some skills that they use in combat seem completely useless or overpowered. You know, I could tweak those uh, right over on. the course of the game coming out. Um, there'll probably be more... I know I'm going to need help with the tile sets for like making the levels themselves in later episodes because they're going to be in pretty much like a completely different location for each episode. Um, So the stock ish assets that I've been using are going to run out very quickly. (laughs) Listen in all you graduates out there with uh, gaming, gaming degrees and art degrees and gaming, you know, contact this gentleman right here, you know, just in case. You know, I mean, let, let's you know. talk about this media aspect. You know, you're doing writing. Mm-hmm. You're getting people for coding and programming and graphics as well for for all this stuff. You know, it, what am I missing? I'm missing a ton of stuff um, here. I brought somebody in to do the soundtrack for me. Uh, he is... Uh, runs his own music studio, though he actually just got hired earlier this year as the lead audio engineer for Riot Games. Nice. <laughs> wow. Well, so you're going to be looking for a new uh, audio engineer, or what's... Uh... <laughs> I mean, soundtrack-wise, I'm pretty much set for now, set. but okay, like for cool. projects in the future, I'm sure I'll have to uh, start doing some shopping again. <laughs> 
And I do want to break away and tell a, a quick uh, story because I actually met you on a movie set. Yes. <laughs> Nothing to do with the game. You know, this is why you <laughs> open up to all your hobbies, not just, you know, not just, well, so many, not just one form of gaming, but you mm-hmm. got novels or novels coming out um, in, the, in the tabletop game, the video game, but you also done some acting. Yes, and that's my other, other, other hobby. <laughs> I've been doing acting for a pretty good chunk of my life, like doing a whole bunch of theater classes in middle school, high school, uh, and then a bunch in college. I had, uh, I was in a play, uh, it was the world premiere production of a play called An Identified Enemy, which was about the Iraq War. Um, somewhat ironically, myself and another student who was also a veteran, uh, we were the only two veterans in the cast, and neither of us actually played military roles. <laughs> okay. Um, he was... Uh, he was a uh, Iraqi local that uh, the main character knew while he was deployed over there. And then I was a uh, uh, civilian contractor, uh, defense contractor, basically. Um, mm-hmm. So I was in there for one scene, uh, kind of telling like my story about... Uh, because uh, the main character is like trying to figure out what happened to this Iraqi that he knew when he was deployed, and apparently I knew something about it. Interesting. Um, it was kind of interesting to find out that uh, after one of the productions, the uh, the actual person, uh, real life person that the writer based my character on, actually came to one of the productions. Wow! And apparently had to leave the show early uh, because after seeing me perform my scene of him, uh, he basically was uh, couldn't stop crying. Wow. Wow, man. Were you that bad? (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) joking. So is this stage play or film? Uh, That was stage play. Um, I've done some film as well. Was an extra in Batman for Superman uh, for two different scenes. Um, I love that uh, the one that I met you for, um, I was supposed to be like in the corner of the screen behind Ben Affleck and they digitally added a car in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then uh, the other one was the military parade at the end of the movie. I'm like in the front row, front corner. I'm like three pixels big. (laughs) And then I got to be in, uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, Rush, inspired by Battlefield, which was by uh, Corridor Digital. They did that base. It's uh, it was basically a Battlefield movie. Um, uh, That was pretty cool. It was like this uh, soldier for this fake East European country. Um, I got to be a police officer in the movie Detroit, uh, a couple of student films in college and probably some other stuff I'm forgetting about. Yeah. You also were in a, um, a smaller, a, sm- a much, much smaller thing for a uh, fangirl films with, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Played a, not, no, you didn't play a Jedi, but it was a star Wars fan film. Yeah. 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 yeah Misty. Uh, which man, she was on here a long time ago. Um, she roped us both into that. Which, yeah. which was man, those sets for for a no budget fan film filming in pra- mostly one day. Mm-hmm. Man, there were some really cool sets in that. I'm still waiting for her to release the outtakes. I thought That's, she already uh, released them. She not? 
Not that I was aware of. Oh. I kind of wanted to show that was that was actually the first time in my life I ever flipped somebody off. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't remember. Was I there for that? I don't know. Was it in the script or was it out of no. frustration? No, it was entirely impromptu. Oh, okay. um, just because uh, the scene like we're supposed to be married in the film. I'm like one of the rebel pilots uh, right. going to fight the Death Stars. It's heading for uh, Yavin. And uh, we run into like her ex-boyfriend or whatever, who's also there. Okay. And they're like, oh, how you been? <laughs> and I'm just sitting here like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> and then it's like, I got to get to my fighter. So I start walking away. And then uh, Misty's all like, I love you. And then one of the takes, I just, I'm walking away. Flip her off, so I'm walking away. <laughs> I forgot all about that. And I was the director for that. I forgot right all about that. <laughs> I, I, I yeah, I, well, I didn't edit it. You know, I only was, I like to say I was just an assistant director because Misty couldn't uh, direct and act at the same time as much <laughs> as, she, uh, as she wanted to. So yeah. did it make the final cut or did it get I, I, cut out? That was all Misty. Misty uh, took control of all that. That that it was her project. She wrote it. She starred in it. It was that was her project. Is it still viewable on YouTube somewhere? Um, or is it? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. What's it called? Yeah. What's the title? Uh, uh, Vengeance Rising. I that's think. It. <laughs> Vengeance Rising. You can find it on YouTube if you search it. But I know for sure you can find it on fangirl films and you could probably also find it on putmeinstarwars.com I'm going to go oh, yeah. watch and see if I can find the bird <laughs> well it would just be in the outtakes it wasn't in the final cut oh man yeah disappoint <laughs> yeah we, we that was a very long day of shooting we were very slap yeah. happy towards that very cold too <laughs> oh yeah I'm sorry I had to turn off the what's the the, the heat I had to turn off because it was it was uh, really loud in there with the heat on so that was my fault. Thanks, Doden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still getting yelled at. Well, it's like it's really hot in here because I had to turn off the air conditioner because the air conditioner's going over the mic, so I had to turn that off. So, again, you could thank me for being hmm. uncomfortable. Yeah, um, not something I like noise. to brag that I make people, but, you know, when it comes <laughs> to filming, you got to you gotta keep these things in Oh, Doden, bending over backwards to please the fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I enjoyed working on my Star Trek machinima so much more, because it was all voice acting. <laughs> That's right, man. So that would make you the fourth or fifth person on the show with their own Star Star Trek fan series. Um. <laughs> well, there was one episode I got halfway through, episode two, and life just kind of kept happening. And then that uh, policy for fan films came out, and it was like, well, okay, I guess I'm not going to bother with this anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was and, a lot of Star Trek fan films. but and, and because it was being done in Star Trek Online, the MMO, uh, which I've been playing for almost nine years now, since closed <laughs> beta, uh, the tools for recording like videos and stuff in the engine like without all the ui elements and you can move the camera around and stuff mm -hmm. are a massive pain in the butt to work with um they were just being developed by one guy like in his spare time so he didn't get very far with it and unfortunately then he passed away from cancer and oh, then man. nobody else ever bothered to work with it basically okay. their attitude was these tools should have never been released but we'll we'll just leave it here okay yeah, that uh, William uh, from AllAboutWilliam.com was also using that to create his fan series um, before we even started this show. <laughs> I don't know when was last time he created an episode for his. Hmm. Oh, all, all right. right. So back to gaming. Fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so 
how would someone else get started in this? Like, do you recommend if someone really likes games, either video games or tabletop games, and they're like, hey, I'm thinking about starting something. What do you say to them? In terms of like wanting to make their own? Correct. Uh, for board games, I guess play a lot of board games. Um, you know, from the dead simple, like you can play in like 15 minutes, like Love Letter or Zombie Dice, to the, you know, take the whole weekend Twilight Imperium stuff. Um, figure out, you know, what you enjoy. Uh, see other games that have been published, kind of see like how they work, um, how they're. Uh, how they're uh, easy to learn and whatnot, because making it so that you can ha so that you hand the box to somebody, and if they can figure out how to play and do everything without having to ask you any questions, then that's kind of like okay, you're doing it right. Um, definitely go to uh, some of these conventions, attend these panels, learn from you know folks who've been in in the industry for a long time. Because uh, I did four hours of the board game development panels at PenguinCon, and that was really informative, even after having already been at this stage of, like, prototype nearly ready for publication. <laughs> um, just kind of learning, like, how the actual industry folks do it, and finding out that apparently I was uh, just figuring it out on my own. I was doing it right in a few ways after all, which was pretty nice. Um, for making video games, there are a bajillion and one tutorials and tool sets you can download and everything. Uh, you probably start simple, like make levels for a game that already exists. Um, like people still make maps and stuff for original Doom. Like 25 years later, that the modding scene for Doom is still alive. Um, so you can, you can start super simple there or make it, you know, levels for Starcraft or mods for Skyrim or... You know, just pick a game you love, figure, uh, start making some like original content for it. Um, and then because you're already using like a framework that's already fully built and everything. So that saves you a lot of the work. Uh, once you're ready to move on to like the full stuff, um, th there's a whole bunch of different engines you can use. Uh, let's see. Uh, kind of. So basically do your research a little bit and yes. play around. Yeah. Play around, play around, play around, figure out what you like, what you don't like. Yeah. You know, but, how do you do this? Yeah. But don't get so caught up playing games for research that you never get around to actually making anything. Because I've kind of fallen into that trap a few times, too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same thing for what I imagine most hobby. Same thing with yeah. reading. You kind of do your research, but you could fall into a hole, especially with movie making. Um, <laughs> two <laughs> words, two words. Atari, Pong. <laughs> Wait, what? How many Atari, words was that? two words. Atari, Pong. E.T. Barry. Dad. <laughs> Wait, that was one two words, wasn't it? Wait, is E.T. Yes. E. one word or two words? Technically one. Oh. Now we're talking giant consoles with the two buttons. Anyway. Back up to the so now that we know Mark is old. <laughs> so uh, for indie games, uh, Unity is probably the most popular one that you can make in. They've got a bunch of pretty good tutorials uh, that sort of run you through how to make a bunch of different games. Um, I think they all, they all actually work now because when I was trying to run them, even like their sample completed projects didn't work for me for some reason. Um, 
but uh, they've got some pretty good tutorials. There's a lot of free assets you can get off the asset store. Um, the licensing for their asset store is also uh, super nice and flexible. Pretty much you buy their assets, you know, whatever it is, sound, art, uh, uh, animations for models, uh, coding mechanisms, whatever, and you can use it in pretty much anything um, as long as you're not just trying to resell it yourself elsewhere. Uh, so actually, most of the artwork on these cards and everything is from uh, stuff that I got off the asset store. <laughs> okay, is, so how much, so you actually paid per asset or did you pay like yes. kind of like the stock photo where you can get a license, uh, an overlap? It's per license. asset, because uh, anybody can upload uh, assets for anything up there. Okay, how much does that cost generally? It's, there's stuff that's free. Um, there, it's, or it's expensive. Estimate, you don't have to get into. Like there was one uh, one guy that does icon packs that I really like. You get like two hundred icons in a specific theme, and they're like ten or fifteen dollars each. So in other words, those are a, the good deals, though. Uh, so th in other okay. words, this is a fancy version of clip art, then. Kind of. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. kind of like stock photo, except for it's a different demographics, a different type of thing. Uh, so the pricing can you know be very different yeah um they just added a level building tool called pro builder mm -hmm. which is built into unity now but i paid 150 dollars for it like two years ago so you do all this through unity um unto the breach is being developed in the rpg maker series mm -hmm. uh i want to switch to unity after i'm done with that okay. um i start with rpg makers that's a fairly straightforward uh, engine to work with you know again a lot of your core stuff is already built but you can expand it with scripts or plugins mm -hmm. um i've uh basically started over two or three times at this point um just kind of like changing what i'm doing as well as upgrading to new versions of the engine so that uh has basically required me to start over from scratch but you know they have like new features and whatnot that makes things a lot better um unfortunately i wish i had known it when i had started but there is Unfortunately, a bit of a stigma against RPG Maker games because a lot of people, because they come with like stock assets for like art and music and whatnot. And uh, a lot of people will take just those stock assets and spend like a week working on a game and then throw it on Steam and charge like 10 or 15 bucks for oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a fair number of shovelware games like that. I think a lot of them have been removed at this point, but there's still some on there. And uh, so the community, especially on Steam nowadays, looks at it as like RPG Maker automatically equals bad. Even if I'm using fully original assets, I've got completely different gameplay elements from the sock stuff. Um, there's I'm going to be fighting uphill with that stigma, unfortunately, even though there are multiple award winning games on Steam that were made in RPG Maker. Mm hmm. So that's definitely um, comment card next to this game. Hey, I know it's made on this, but check out yeah. all this original stuff. Yeah. Um, or I could just throw in a bunch of, uh, you know, big titted anime girls and that'll drive sales a bunch. Oh, yeah. Did somebody, did somebody say something? Uh, <laughs> I no, like I, I radios. The volume just went up as well as other things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't seem like you're... Okay, I'm just going to move on from that one. Ah, gold. As we have a brain fart. 
Meanwhile, you got to know that the Struggle Brothers is syndicated only on dvradio.net. Listen to their podcast on Podbean, search Struggle Brothers, and visit their website at strugglebrothers.com. Search Struggle Brothers, Struggle Brothers, say that five times on Facebook. You know they say the same thing about Media Litter Sandwich, right? What, say that five times? Yeah. Media litter sandwich, media litter sandwich, media litter sandwich, media litter sandwich, media litter sandwich. He could do it. Well, he's talented. He's he's got the diction to be able to, and the enunciation to be able to carry it out, and the able to, how would you call it? It's acting. Yes, acting. Okay, well, one more shout out. Turtle Trinkets, they're our sponsor. They don't they sell anything online, but we need to change that. So go, Dave! So go to uh, find them on Facebook. You see, they have a bunch of pop culture stuff on there, some really cool magnets, necklaces, spinners, all sorts. You never know what Dave's going to have on hand because he finds all sorts of really cool stuff. If you want, um, for Turtle Trinkets, if you want to start selling online, just start really really hassling them we gotta make this a thing hmm. so that's turtle trinkets they're only on facebook and you can find them at trade shows in the toledo area and the detroit area all over the place and i'm sure they'll have a list of what trade shows are at um now that the summer's coming up they'll probably hit up farmers markets as well sometimes they're in two places at once so as he grows i'm sure he'll be at even more than that at once Tony, you gotta tell him where we're gonna be in june we're going to be at the Down River Comic Con, which Ooh. will be in Lincoln Park, Michigan. June 2nd and 3rd. Mm-hmm. The, uh, it's it's a very small Comic Con, but it's also for um, a good cause. Uh, it, it, it's still for the athletic department. Yeah, the athletic department, but by all means, if we have any Little Mermaid fans out there, the artist for Little Mermaid will be there at the Down River oh. Comic Con. Nice. Yeah, I, I think it's really funny that, you know, you have a Comic-Con to sponsor the athletic department of a high school. <laughs> Back when we were in high school, these are the same people that mi- would have bullied us. Nerds! But it's Lincoln Park High School, which is so known for being bad. Oh, someone's going to yell at me for this. They're so known for <laughs> being bad at sports. MTV did a show on their football team because they were the worst high school football team <laughs> in America at the time. Wow. But MC, <laughs> MC5 is originally from Lincoln Park, so there you go. <laughs> it is. It's like, and Bob it's like the Lions. Who goes 0 for 16? That's actually a breaking point. <laughs> well, at least they do have a swimming pool there. But they're not going to have that at the Comic-Con. Oh, we're also going to have the Wait, they're going to have the artist for Little Mermaid, but yeah. they're not going to have the swimming pool. Oh, the, uh, they're not going to have ah. that. Sorry, you can't go to the swimming pool, but they will have a costume contest on Saturday. Yep. And, and we will be there. We'll also be at Motor City Steam Con in July. Uh, you'll be able yeah. to check those dates on MediaLitterSandwich.com, uh, along with any other conferences or anything else we have coming up. Uh, keep your eyes on it. We're currently looking for a venue to our 100th episode, uh, mm-hmm. so we'll hopefully we'll have something news on that coming up soon. So you can always also check out our Facebook page or group, which we totally welcome people to self-promote in the Media Litter Sandwich Facebook group. Just read the questions. You can totally self-promote. Just we ask that you read other people's threads too. You know, do a little community thing. Yeah, click on a few links to each other. Yeah, like a few things here and there and say hi. Brian, so where can we find you again? Online? 
Online. Well, or in person if you want people to show Here up. Here he is. We found him. <laughs> oh, it's just, uh, I found Waldo. There, ah. there he is. There he is. Smoke bomb. <laughs> um, now, in person, I do uh, a lot of board games, including uh, Seven Families at uh, Destiny Games in Westland on Sundays. Uh, so if you ever want to actually play it, you can track me down there. Um, Otherwise, uh, online, the uh, Facebook page is where for Templar Games is where I'm most active right now. I've just finished rebuilding uh, the website from scratch. It's pretty empty right now, but I'll be working on re-uploading all the uh, lore content. Um, I've got the early demos. Uh, up on there again, and then the link to the itch.io page where episode zero is hosted at. Uh, so the Facebook page is because is uh, it's called Templar Games, but the URL is slash Ave Templari um, because apparently Templar Games slash Templar Games was already taken by some arcade in Brazil. <laughs> huh. Mm. But they search for Templar Games, they'll be able to find you. Yes. Yeah, I searched and I found you. Boom, there you were. All right, sweet. <laughs> Okay, Mark, where can we find you? Oh, crazymark.com. And, of course, you can find me at toadin.com. And you can find the video versions of these podcasts at youtube.com slash toadink. Once again, you can also listen to us on DV Radio Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern time zones now uh, where one of us will be in the chat so you could communicate to us on chat or you can go to our websites and find our Twitters, Instagrams, Facebooks and all that good stuff. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Hope you enjoyed our discussion and may the The algorithms algorithms be in your favor. (laughs)